Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Stephen Husk, who is supply chain engineer at Blue Jay Solutions. And today we're going to talk about how to turn data into business value. Now, companies today have you know, more data than ever before, um, but more data doesn't automatically translate into more insights and more business value, right? So how do you go from data to business value? What does data context mean and why is that important? And you know, how do you turn insights into action? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to explore here in today's episode. And it's great to have Stephen with us to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So uh, Stephen, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. So Stephen, uh, you know, we've had many of your colleagues there at Blue Jay Solutions here on the program over the years. Uh, you're a first time guest. So like I always like to do whenever we bring someone new onto the program, I'm I'm always curious how people get involved in this supply chain logistics industry. So why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your career path, you know, how, why you got involved with supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Blue Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Sure thing. So like many people in logistics, I didn't necessarily picture myself uh, ending up here. That's the case for most people I hear from, actually. Uh, I had my undergraduate in global studies with concentrations in international business and Chinese. Uh, so when I graduated, I started as a, in a role where I was supporting the uh, CEO for a small company that specialized in uh, providing OEM services from Southeast Asia. Uh, and so during that, at that time, I really got to experience the, the whole supply chain because part of our role was helping companies, small, mid-sized companies who didn't really have the appetite to, to handle that, that, that large of an endeavor to come to us and, and source that product that they wanted to get from overseas, perhaps at a cheaper cost. So we saw everything from the raw material to the customer delivery. Um, I spent a lot of time in China visiting suppliers and our, our packaging and, and assembly uh, facility there that was in China. Uh, and just through that experience, uh, gained that holistic view of supply chain. And while I was there, I kind of discovered a passion I had for data and more specifically for visibility into the supply chain. Uh, that's something that I think most companies are really um, chasing after today. And so I was no different. I really wanted to get that for our company at that time. And that led me to Blue Jay Solutions. Uh, at the time, Blue Jay was actually um, promoting, and they, they still do, promoting this kind of uh, term actionable intelligence. They were definitely, uh, I think, champions of that, that term, and they didn't just have that in their sales, but they had in their actually HR uh, documentation, the internal um, kind of selling to employees and to prospective employees. And so I was really attracted that they would have that. Um, and uh, so I started at Blue Jay Solutions as a logistics coordinator and the logistics as a service department, and uh, I was really on the uh, kind of in the trenches doing the everyday operations of transportation. And that experience I, I see as absolutely foundational to everything I would do as an analyst. And eventually today, in my role as a supply chain engineer, really marrying uh, the, the decisions and the, the, the things that happen every day in operations with the data that we use to inform those decisions has really been uh, a key to, to helping in me in these roles. So like I said, today I'm a supply chain engineer. Um, and so my team has two focuses primarily. And that would be supply chain optimization. So that's doing your networks, network modeling or uh, transportation simulations, greenfield analysis, those kinds of problem solving, as well as what we're talking about today um, with turning data into value and specifically for kind of more around reporting and advanced analytics. So 
definitely excited about this topic. It's what I'm passionate about and uh, really excited to, to discuss it more. Yeah, great, great journey there, you know, and great educational background. I mean, I think, you know, certainly China's in the news today for, for, for sure, you know, in terms with the tariffs and what's going on from a, from a global perspective. And, you know, as, as we all know, you know, supply chain logistics today is by default, you know, a global, uh, yeah. you know, a global process. And, and, and because of that, it, that's why there's really so much data and information. We have so many trading partners that are involved and so forth. So, you know, obviously your, your uh, initial experience there, you know, it's, you know, set a good foundation for you now in terms of being able to um, work now on this end of the field uh, and, uh, you know, helping other, you know, both your internal clients as well as your external clients, uh, you know, kind of get a, get a handle on what's happening out there in the, in the global supply chain. Um, so, so let's dive into the topic now. I mean, the, you know, a lot of times when we talk about data these days, you know, a lot of people just immediately focus on, you know, and talk about AI and machine learning and predictive, you know, analytics, you know, and it's kind of easy to get lost in all the jargon. I think, you know, they're the shiny new toys. So everybody kind of like focuses, you know, on that first, but, you know, based on your experience, I mean, what should companies ideally focus on first when it comes to turning data into value for their, for their internal external customers? Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate this question actually, as someone who comes from an operator background, because, um, you know, when I first started as an analyst, these are the kinds of things that were complex to me and, and overwhelming, to be honest. I didn't really know what they, they meant. I didn't know what AI and machine learning was. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of, our, most of us don't really know what these terms are. And, and if we do, we don't know how they would be applied to uh, a problem um, in order to, to be a solution. Um, and I think that's just it, is that these things are tools used to solve problems. They're means to an end, um, and it's not something to get caught up in itself, right? So uh, I, I think a good example of this is, uh, recently I just finished remodeling my basement. Um, we did a, a, just a, a pretty major project on our own in our basement. And before I did that, I came up with a plan, right? It's some basic things. I wanted a bedroom and a bathroom for guests, and I wanted a play space for my kids. Um, I had a budget, I had a timetable, I, I couldn't spend all my time working on this thing. So I had these constraints and these goals that were built into how I was going to uh, put together this basement renovation, right? I didn't start in Home Depot looking at nail guns or lumber. Uh, that, that's that's kind of what we do when we get stuck on these concepts, is we focus on the tools and not on the problems we're trying to solve. And so when it comes to turning data into value, we need to understand what the goal is. And I think fundamentally, um, the goal is to get the right data to the right people at the right time within the, the right context to make the right decision. So there's a lot of right things there, but really, if you dissect that list, it's pretty basic. And any organization, um, anyone, whether they have a mature data ecosystem or not, can start um, solving problems with that kind of philosophy, philosophy behind it. And a lot that may lead you to AI or machine learning or predictive analytics, but you want to fit those things into your strategy and not the other way around. Um, obviously, you're going to have your own constraints that limit your ability to do those things or enable you to do those things. So uh, currently, a major part of our strategy in this and something that we're focusing on because I think we're uniquely positioned to do so uh, at my organization is data context. Um, and, and that's just something where we're understanding what that data means. Um, in the broader network and how it's connected to other things that we're looking at. So that's where we're really excited about currently at Blue Jay, given the, the fact that we have such a large ecosystem 
of data to pull from. You know, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, it reminded me when you know when you were talking about the. Um, uh, you know, you don't go to home, you didn't start at Home Depot first, you know, looking at nail guns. And, and sometimes that's what happens at companies, right? I think I, I've heard stories where, you know, CEOs and CFOs have been reading about, let's say, blockchain, for example, and they'll say, hey, you know, we, we ought to be doing something blockchain, right? And that, that's like the worst possible, you know, approach you can take because the, the question becomes, well, what exactly are we trying to solve, right? Or what business problem are we trying to solve or what opportunity are we trying to go after? where blockchain may be or may not be the right, you know, solution as, as an example. So, so I think, you know, focusing in on the goal, on the, on the objective, um, you know, as, as a first step, I think is, is critical there. I think the other thing you just mentioned right now, which kind of brings me to another question is, you know, you talked about, you know, data and data context. I mean, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by, by data context and, and why does it matter? Sure. Yeah. So, so data context is, is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of the setting for your data. It's the, it's the network of connections that your data exists in. And so at the most basic level, um, data without context is, is meaningless and it's even dangerous. Um, a, a really simple example is this, the number 32. If I just throw that out there, nobody, nobody knows, nobody cares. But if I say 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it means, the point uh, that water freezes, right? So that's a super basic uh, level of data context. Um, uh, another example is we oftentimes self-diagnose ourselves online, so we're all guilty of taking data out, out of context. I remember my, my roommate in college, he woke up with chest pain and he Googled it and everywhere he went said, you're having a heart attack, you need to go to the hospital right now. But you know, we thankfully we had the, the ability to think about our other symptoms going on and and we were able to determine you definitely weren't having a heart attack and we avoided uh, a costly decision to go to the ER and something that would ultimately be humiliating for him when he came back to his friends later on. Um, but, uh, but we do the same thing in business. We make decisions off of data that's taken out of context. And the kind of the dangerous thing about it is that it's, it's still data. So a lot of the times we were so confident in it, we kind of turn off our peripheral vision. Um, to, to other issues that could be going on, where if we didn't have the data in the, to begin with, uh, ignorance, at least we'd know that we're ignorant and we maybe are a little more cautious about what we're doing, right? So, um, so that's kind of an example. And in transportation, I'll pull one more example out because I think we need to tie it into transportation here. Um, I think about accessorial spend. If my accessorial spend is decreasing, and I, I, could, I could easily just take that data out of context and say, I'm doing great, I'm lowering my costs. But Obviously, if my base rates are increasing that, and within like compared to the market, then I know that my carriers are starting to bake in those accessorials into their base rates because I'm still have detention or still have all the issues I have. I haven't solved those. They're just, they've just shifted to a different part of my business. So you can have context within your own data ecosystem. But what we're really excited about at Blue Jay and my team in particular is that the larger ecosystem, the network as a whole, the market as a whole, what that context brings to your data set. Um, I think this is a particularly important, uh, important in transportation because if you think about it, transportation is a leading economic indicator. So you know, by definition, it's moving. The target's moving all the time. The, it's up and down constantly. And I think most of us understand that, especially when you look at rates 20% up in 2018 versus 2017. I mean, those are some pretty, pretty major differences. So in reality, the basically the definition of success in transportation changes based on region and time and, and whatever. 
So context is pretty critical to knowing the target that you're shooting for. Um, I, I think a, a great example of this is primary tender acceptance. Let's say in 2018, I had 65% tender acceptance and I moved that needle to 75% in 2019. I exceeded my expectations that I had for myself. I could feel really good about that. But if I look at it in context and realize that actually tender acceptance in 2018 was 70% and today it's 90%. If I measure myself related to that baseline, that market baseline, then I'm actually doing work, could be doing worse than I was in 2018 and actually could be more exposed than I, than I was in 2018 in the case another tight capacity market comes. So basically fundamentally without data context, at the most basic level, you're, you're operating blindly. But even at a broader level with the market data, this is something relatively new um, in the marketplace that we're really excited about, but um, we still think that people without this data set are, are operating blindly in many ways, especially in, in transportation. Yeah, it's a great example with the tender acceptance rates because, I mean, I think, you know, when, when people talk about benchmarking, for example, I mean, they, they can do, they, they can do, they can benchmark themselves in terms of how they did to last year, right? So that's one, one level of context, if you will. Um, but that's a limited context, as you pointed out, right? So, oh, yeah, so we're doing better on this metric relative to last year. You can compare yourself how you're doing according to plan. So this is what we forecast this is how we're doing. But the part that has always been challenging for companies is, well, how are we doing relative to our peers or others in the market? So I think that's a great example there where, hey, you know, we're doing 70, we got 75% tender acceptance rate uh, today. It was 65% last year where, hey, we're doing great. We've improved on things. But if the rest of the market's at 90% plus, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're, behind, you're a laggard in the industry, right? So it's really understanding that broader, putting what you're doing within an organization within that broader market context, I think is something that to your point is, is relatively new over the past few years. And it's a result of having this greater access to network-based data. Um, and I think it's one of, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of network-based solutions. And I think one of the, one of the big differentiators is exactly that is the ability for people that are on that community and part of that network to be able to access this network-based analytics and, and information so that they can compare their data to this broader set to get a, a, a much more um, uh, informed view of, of their performance or where the opportunities are for improvement or uh, uh, you know, differentiation. Um, you know, one of the other things that you hear a lot about today within this topic is also you know, actionable intelligence. Um, you know, the ability to kind of take these, this data, convert it into insights and to, you know, to drive some, some action on it because ultimately that's what's gonna deliver the, the business value. I mean, what's, What's required to, to truly achieve actionable intelligence? Yeah, it's a big term, but it's really simple. It's, it's uh, data that is meaningful that can be used to, and applied to make a change. So the, the data has a self-evident action that flows from it, right? Um, so I think that the starting place for actionable intelligence is the first part of that. That's meaningful data. And a lot of us don't have that or are struggling in that area. It really comes down to data governance and, and data quality. So governance is the overall management of your data in your business. It includes things like security, um, integrity, usability, and quality is kind of a little bit of a subset of that that talks about the accuracy of the data that you have. And I think it's pretty obvious um, as we talk about this that just if you have a lot of data, like then and it's not accurate then it, it's again it's meaningless and potentially dangerous it kind of keeps coming back to that um that issue 
Um, so big data has been a buzzword for a while. Uh, and our challenge to that and the challenge of many people in the industry uh, in recent years has been we need that data to mean something. And it needs to be not just out there for data scientists to mine, but I need to have my operators, uh, that my operators need access to that data when they're making decisions. So I think a, a, a starting point is that governance piece. And in transportation, uh, oh, this either means that you're deploying some additional resources in your organization to, to get there in regards to um, uh, data and, and governance and quality, or you're um, purchasing or partnering with some sort of technology solution to help you with that, typically some sort of PMS or um, visibility solution, whatever it might be, to get the data you need to, to start um, driving actionable intelligence. Uh, so it, I guess for, for those that are looking into that or have that or not sure if they have that, a, a leader, I believe, in this area, if you're talking about technology as a solution, would be someone that can, again, govern that data accurately, um, that the data has meaning, and that that data would be accessible to the users of it. And so that, that means things like ad hoc reporting, um, robust, again, reporting functionality, dashboard functionality, notification systems, whatever that is. Uh, but I do believe the path to that is, is either through resources in your organization or some sort of technology partnership that you have to build up that foundation that's going to drive action elsewhere in your, in your organization. You know, great point. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, you know, data quality management has been a soapbox issue for me for, you know, 20 plus years that I've been an industry analyst. And, you know, it's a classic garbage in, you know, garbage out problem. And, you know, the problem has always been, you know, you talk to logistics, you know, professionals about data quality and they say, well, that's IT's problem, right? Um, and then you talk to IT and they say, well, that's not our problem. If you just get all of the, your carriers and your suppliers and your external trading partners to send us clean data, we wouldn't have a problem, right? So it really is this kind of ecosystem. Um, then you've got all the challenges of, of, of EDI and you know the way I call one thing is different than the way that somebody else calls something else. And I've got this particular IT system and they've got this particular IT system. So you've got the whole data mapping. So it really is a, um, you know, a challenging aspect of it. So a lot of times the companies really focus on the software part of things and they overlook you know, the fact that, you know, there's, uh, that you need to have processes and people and, and, and a governance structure around the data itself. Otherwise, all these investments you're making on the technology front are not really going to be able to deliver that, you know, that, that full value. So I'm glad you brought up, you know, the, the, the governance piece. The other thing I think what companies have, you know, some challenge on, it's like, let's say you, you've got some good master data already, right? It's, it's good quality. You, you've cleansed it. You, you're really focusing on, on the, the right data there. But a lot of companies, you know, kind of uh, aligning those with the right metrics, I think, is, is some place where a lot of companies, you know, struggle with. I mean, what metrics ultimately matter most? And let, let's say for, you know, transportation operations. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, ask, if you're asking that question, uh, then you're already on the right path because really the key to success in this area is asking the right questions of your data, right? So you have to be someone who asks questions. You have to be an organization that asks questions for, to get this kind of area right. Um, because if you measure the wrong metrics, it can be almost as harmful as having no data at all or inaccurate data. Um, so the short answer to this is kind of similar to what we've been talking about, and that is that um, the, the metrics are changing. I know that's not, a, that's not an answer you want to hear, but the metrics are changing in transportation every day for, between customers and even inside 
a customer's own ecosystem. The answer and the definition of success changes. So I'm going to steal from our logistics as a service um, playbook in this. They do a great job, I think, around annual strategic planning with uh, customers. And this is something they really have a heavy focus on in those plans when they create a plan for the next year. Um, what we do is we start at the highest level of the organization. We ask, what does success mean at that level? And, and, and how is it measured? So we want to answer that question in the, the, the highest level of the organization first, and then we step down into each kind of subset of the organization, the different departments, different groups in the organization until you get down to transportation. And it's important to do it this way so that you don't focus only on transportation. I think that's one of the first pitfalls you can have is if you go straight to transportation and you forget about the other areas in your organization, you can sub-optimize your network. And what I mean is there's typically tension between the different areas. Just think of customer service and, and transportation. Customer service wants to deliver products on time uh, as much as possible, right? And transportation typically has a higher focus on cost and delivering delivering that at, a, at the lowest cost possible. If you focus on one to the detriment of the other in your organization, then you're going to have a sub-optimized uh, uh, network. So if we're getting into the metrics that matter for any group, but particularly transportation, I think it's in three categories. You're looking at cost and service and cost to serve. Like we talked about, if you focus on service to the detriment of cost, it's, it's not sustainable. If you focus on cost to the detriment of service, then you're losing customers. That's not sustainable. If you do it all perfectly, but you have a thousand people in order to do it, right? Then you're, again, your cost is, is it's not sustainable model. All those things need to be viewed in balance. And that balance looks different by company. That's why you have to start at the top levels of the organization to understand what success is, because it's not going to be the same for me as it is for you and your organization based on your product. So once we get to that level of the cost service and cost to serve metrics, we end up with what we call gauges or KPIs. These are things that are indicators of the health of your network and indicators of the performance of your network. And then we step that back to the levers that drive those gauges, right? We, we use this term gauges and levers a lot. Levers are the things that move the needles on your gauges. So as a, a brief example, cost per mile, maybe what you measure your transportation costs as. That would be your gauge. Maybe you've identified routing guide compliance as a way to keep costs down. So that's one of your levers. And that's a lever because if you avoid the spot market or avoid sending freight out to spot market, you avoid the premiums associated, typically associated with the spot market, um, and therefore compliance is helping you in that cost area. I think uh, where context comes into play, which is kind of the well, other component I want to bring back into all this, is uh, it's really interesting if you look at that example I gave, that um, actually spot market rates in 2019 have been lower than contract rates. So if you don't have context to all these KPIs that you have and you're not asking yourself these questions regularly, you probably missed this window of time that is over now where your spot market rates would have been cheaper than contract. And you could have had a strategy where uh, you sent anything that was above the capacity committed to carriers to the spot market instead of trying to work it out with the rest of your backup um, carriers. You get the idea, but all these things work together. You have your gauges, your levers, and the context um, around them that allows you to be um, the final point I guess I'd make in this is agile in those metrics. Because you're, if you're constantly asking the questions and you have the right context in your data, then you have the ability to be agile in what your definition of success is, because that is going to change, I guarantee, from 
from year to year and from customer to customer and even from subsets in your own organization. No, great, great, great points. I, I love the fact that you brought in, you know, contacts back into the, uh, uh, the, the conversation here as it relates to, you know, the, the, the metrics. And the reality is that, you know, metrics are not static, right? As you mentioned, I mean, these are things that, you know, are going to evolve over time because your, the, the market out there, the environment out there, your customer expectations are not static, right? They're, they're evolving too. I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, we just completed some research. I know you guys are about to publish it in the next few days here uh, that we've done now for the second year in a row. And one of the things that's come out is how customer experience is now kind of a, uh, metrics around customer experience are becoming a higher priority for supply chain uh, organizations. And th th this is something that maybe 10, 15 years ago, you know, customer experience was probably, uh, you know, there was probably some lip service to it, but it really wasn't something that was driving a lot of action or really creating a competitive differentiator. And I think you look at today and for sure, you know, a lot, a lot based on the research that we've done together, you know, a lot of that, what's driving innovation today, a lot of what's, you know, companies looking for a differentiate on is not just on cost, right? And, and you know, cost is always, cost is always going to be important for particularly for transportation executives, but it's, it's not the only thing that's important today. And to your point, if you sub-optimize just on cost um, and ignore customer experience, customer service, cost to serve, and these other things you talked about, um, you're definitely going to, you know, fall behind the, um, you know, the competition there. Um, so, all right. So I, I have the right data. It's in the right context. I have the right KPIs and so forth. I mean, how do I ultimately turn all of this into action? Yep. Yep. Because at this point, uh, up to this point in our conversation, we've been talking about things at a high level. We, we still haven't done anything with that data set. We just have metrics and uh, a line chart doesn't do anything for me, right? I need to make that decision exactly like you said. So the, tr the key now at this point, and this is where we transition from intelligence to actionable intelligence, would be that we need to lead users to a decision point. So you think about when you drive your car, you're constantly being fed different signals from vehicles, from signs, lights, your GPS, whatever it might be. It doesn't do any good for me to tell a driver that the average speed limit between Grand Rapids and Chicago is 65 miles per hour. The driver instead needs to know the speed of the road they're on at the time that they're on the road. So this just goes to kind of illustrate why data timing and data accessibility all play a really key role in this, part, this portion of uh, actionable intelligence. So those of us who are creating actionable intelligence, whether you're an analyst or anybody really who's ever created a report that's going to be consumed by somebody else, uh, I, I'm really in favor of uh, a kind of a top-down approach to this. I mean, we've been doing this throughout the conversation, so we're going to just apply it a layer deeper. Uh, so let's say we as an organization already went through our exercise. We know what success is and we know how we're, what levers um, move that measure of success. Let's say our success measure is cost per mile and the lever is routing guide compliance. I now need to ask the question, who in my organization is responsible or has the influence over routing guide compliance? They can make decisions to move that needle. And then I need to ask um, uh, to that person what decisions they're making that would move or could they make that would move the lever, pull the lever again of routing guide compliance. So we'd start with who is responsible, what can they do about it, and then I ask what information is necessary for them to make that decision. That's where I come into, comes into play of what I have already in my data ecosystem. I might not have all the information available to me, and if this is where I'm gonna start uh, looking to see what it would take to pull that data in, or whatever it might be, a connection with somewhere else, or manual, whatever it is, 
the data that I need to drive value in that decision or to inform that decision. Then after the, the final kind of piece of that is how would I deliver, how would it be best delivered to the person responsible for making that decision. So in our example, uh, a, really, uh, a really basic result of this would be a report that is bursted to my carrier specialist uh, every week on Monday morning, they walk in and they have a list of the top five lanes that don't have routing guides that have significant volume on them. And I have a little blurb underneath the email, see about getting committed capacity from the carriers that are part of this document, whatever it might be, right? Um, it doesn't have to be telling the person exactly what to do, but it's important, uh, important part of this is helping people interpret that data set Again, your operators and your decision makers should not have to do the data mining. You should be presenting them with the decision point that should be made so that they don't do that portion of it. Right, another great example of this is our blue dex rate analysis tool where we layer data onto the mar market index that we have here at BlueJ. And then we slice that down to say, you know, here's how you're doing it at a network level, but let's find out where opportunity exists at lane and carrier levels. And we bring to surface where the the greatest opportunity exists, which draws the user of the, that, that, that document to where they need to make decisions. So I guess all that to say, if you do this approach and why I recommend it is it doesn't limit you to the current solutions you have or tools you have. It really helps you think outside the box and come up with a solution that is going to fit best for the particular um, lever you're trying to move or action you're trying to take. And then you'll be able to kind of fit your data set or, or whatever your capabilities are into that to come up with a strategy uh, that will work. You know, it sounds like, you know, coming back full circle to what you said something at the beginning of the conversation, right? It's about having the, the, the right information at the right time in front of the right people, right? Ultimately, those three things are, is what's going to, you know, reach that decision point and, and be able to identify you know, what actions ought to be taken and, and who needs to take them to, you know, move the needle on, on you know, and reaching, you know, the objectives that you've set and defined for, your, for yourself. So, um, you know, great, great advice there. Uh, Stephen, we're, we're running a little bit short on time here, so I'm just going to, you know, go to my last question. You know, as a way to wrap up, I mean, any additional insights or, or advice that you would give to companies that, you know, for, to help them turn data into business value? And then, you know, what ultimately will separate the leaders from, from the laggards in this area? Yeah, well, kind of as we talked about, there's a couple areas where you can be a leader and a laggard. And, and I think if I were to summarize those quickly, it'd be in the availability of your data, the usability of your data, and the, and the timeliness of your data. Um, those things are all important, and you could be a leader and laggard in one and not in the other. Uh, but I, I think even beyond these things, you could be a leader in all of them, but lack one critical component, and that would be um, adoption. And I, and I think adoption is a critical piece that oftentimes as analysts we don't want to think about but we have to think about and you think about any business they measure their success typically on sales of a product our sales our product is um, actionable intelligence right and the measure of the the success of selling that product is adoption of the product a customer doesn't complain about their customers not buying products from them they figure out how to make them buy the product so as data analysts we need to have that mindset how can we make the data the, the easiest, to, the, the most uh, usable, the most um, adoptable for other people to use in the organization? So we need to measure that, and a lot of that can be done qualitatively through surveys and feedback forms and things like that. We do that a lot at BlueJay. Um, but the other piece of that is, is just what do we do to move 
the adoption needle, right? If we're, if we're measuring our success on adoption, what do we do to move that needle? And I, I guess if I were just to provide a few quick ones, um, I think one of the key ones is having the right stakeholders as part of your projects. Um, even if it's informal, if you're building a report for utilization of trailers, you need to involve the, someone at the dock level that is loading the trailers. They need to be a part of this uh, solution. Um, if you're, uh, if you're working with, uh, again, like on-time performance, you need to work with your customers as far as the timeliness of giving your orders. Another piece of that, which we've already talked about and you alluded to, was user interface and user experience. It's not going to fly just having a raw data table pumped out to a bunch of people in the organization. You need to bring them to where the decision happens. And a lot of that can be done through simple conditional formatting of what data piece you want them to see. It could just be bolding headers that you care about, right? It's, it's, it's really simple, but... We, need to, we can't stop at the data. We have to continue on until we have a product that is actually going to be consumed and adopted by people in the organization and outside the organization. Yeah, I love that uh, point about, about adoption. And, you know, I think today if you're getting a bunch of printouts and Excel spreadsheets and all that, uh, I think that was more indicative of a company of yesterday, right? And I think that becomes a little bit more harder to consume or, or a lot more difficult to kind of take more real time or quick action on because uh, you know I remember uh, talking to someone earlier. You know they they would uh, you know print out the reports and you know for tomorrow's meeting and by the time they got to tomorrow's meeting they would be racing to the printer as they were going to the meeting because all the data that was in there yesterday was already out of date you know by 24 hours later right so it's that type of you know environment you know that that you know that happens today and i think the ideal i think you're seeing this certainly with transportation management solutions i think your solution with the blue decks that you mentioned is an example of this is if and going back tying it back to context if you ever provide that intelligence within the context of let's say a tms where you're able, where that's where you're actually taking action right where you may uh retender a load or you may uh you know execute a, a procurement event or whatever the case might be if you've got that data that intelligence that information in front of you and within that tms you can then take some action I think that's the, uh, you know, the, the ideal for a lot of the users that I talk to is to say, hey, rather than having a piece of paper or a printout, I'd rather see it right there in my user interface of where I'm working day in and day out. So when I see something, uh, some data that's, inform you know, some insight that, that is uh, there on the screen, I can immediately right from that screen, you know, take some action. Uh, and I think that's the way that, uh, you know, this whole industry is, is moving forward on. Um, Steven, uh, again, uh, uh, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, we, we managed to scratch the surface on these topics, but I think you provided some great insights, some great advice on, you know, how to turn data into business value. So again, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Blue Jay website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Steven, uh, you can post it there and he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.